0: So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
2: You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're talking French Exit starring Michelle Pfeiffer, as well as all the latest movie and trailer news.
3: I'm Tim Iffland, movie buff.
2: And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist.
3: And we love to talk all things movies, especially devilishly wicked movies like French. Exit, which follows the story of an aging Manhattan socialite who cashes in the last of her possessions to live out her twilight days in a borrowed apartment in Paris. She is accompanied by her directionless son, Malcolm, and a cat named Small Frank, which may or may not embody the spirit of her dead husband. (laughs)
2: It's quite a quirky premise for quite a quirky film, isn't it, Tim?
3: It really is. I mean, you can't get more quirky than that if you try.
2: The film is directed by Azazel Jacobs, based on the screenplay by Patrick DeWitt, who adapted it based on his novel.
3: Yeah. And it stars Michelle Pfeiffer, Lucas Hedges and Imogen Poots.
2: Among a few others that make up this interesting ensemble cast.
3: Interesting, certainly, is the word that comes to mind here.
2: Now, what would you say this story is about at its core, Tim? Would you say, is it a mother and son relationship story? Mm. There's a bit of role reversal in there. You know, maybe the mother's a bit childish and the son sort of has to look after her. Or is it a woman coming to grips with her mortality? What did you take away from it?
3: Look, I think that it is all of those things in some way, shape or form Mm. at different periods of the film. But... Maybe this will help me shape my response here, but I kind of went to dig to understand what French exit actually means. And it's also known as French leave. And it's a slang term for leaving engagement or situation without warning or without saying goodbye. And with Mm -hmm. that sentiment, I kind of feel like it is definitely more about a, a woman who just wants to find her place within the world, within a world that she has become very... Uh, disconnected from for various reasons. And then there are all these branches off about all those things that you listed. So, I really do think it is about a, a woman and her place in the world and how she interprets it through her uh, mm. rose-coloured lenses, I suppose. What do you reckon?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. It's a bit of everything, isn't it? You can't really yeah. quite pin it down. And I like, no. I like that the story kept us guessing you know what are the characters going to do next you just never knew and then they threw a curveball and things came out left of center I mean she's moving to Paris she's not taking a plane she's taking a cruise ship
3: I know fuck I love that so much
2: (laughs) it's so random and that's just everything about this movie it just feels so random in a good way
3: in an absolutely good way. It just went to places I just wasn't expecting. And mm. for the majority of the film, I was so on board with this. And you, like, we saw this together. I was sitting mm. next to you. I was constantly and consistently laughing out loud yeah. and also, like, just still sniggering and giggling about something <laughs> that had happened 30 seconds ago I just couldn't let go of some of this incredibly witty comedy and it's just my type of bag like I just love it
2: it's very dry comedy isn't it very acerbic Mm, yeah I mean stylistically did you get flavors of a Wes Anderson film here very stylistic idiosyncratic kind of story
3: yes absolutely I did get flavors of Wes Anderson I do feel like Wes Anderson is more like come in, deliver dialogue, move off. It's more like a stage play in that sense. And it's very mm. framed and staged, if that mm. makes if that makes sense. Those that are familiar with his work visually certainly will, will oh, yeah. understand that. This one, I, I, yeah, I think in how they framed the story through its cinematography, like it did feel very like a Wes Anderson. Like it was very mm. stylish in terms of how it was lit and it was very dark and moody, but Incredibly beautiful.
2: But without the colour of Wes Anderson films, because he uses colour very heavily to frame his films, doesn't he?
3: Yeah. And I think also in likeness with Wes Anderson is how he writes his characters, very peculiar and strange mm. human beings. And I think there was a mix of strange, wonderful personalities in this film, not just Michelle Pfeiffer's character, but all the supporting cast along the way.
2: Definitely. I did feel the film lost its pace towards the back half, though. What did you think? Yeah. There was a moment where it went off the rails for me. It wasn't because of the choices. It just sort of lost its energy. And I don't want to give away what that event is because it's a bit of a spoiler, but there's a point hmm. where it it really does go off the rails in a really loopy way. And it's fun to watch, yes. definitely. But I think the film lost its energy at that point.
3: And I feel silly even hearing that, but I completely echo your sentiment. I completely agree. Like, this film is silly and bizarre and absurd. But then I think that even though it went to dark places, and rightfully so... It did start to get a bit muddy and I felt like it was ultimately distracted from what the front half of the films provided so beautifully Mm. and how it introduced you to the characters and the narrative and the choices they were making and the character development interaction and meeting characters along the way and then yeah Mm. I completely agree probably about two thirds of the way in for me you know it it held on and was oh playing out so perfectly until it just yet went off the fucking rails and I didn't really know how to react or even mm. comprehend it properly because um, it got really complicated
2: and a little farcical. I think There's a point where all these <laughs> characters come together and you start to wonder why are they all there?
3: <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think you have to suspend belief in that. It yeah, it did get quite comical that the number of people still around in certain situations. Like there's this point. To, you know, towards the end of the film, where they're all just staying in this apartment, but no one seems to be leaving, and no. it's just brilliant. And they're all just making really weird choices, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, physically and verbally, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's just a bit of a hot mess at the end, but in a good way, I suppose.
2: I was really hooked on the use of money as a marker for her endgame. You know, like we're mm. seeing the piles of money. She just has no concept of cash by the way francis completely None. no concept of cash she's dropping 100 euros for a coffee and handing out wads of cash to homeless people um, yeah so bizarre but i was really hooked on that as a marker for where the film was going And it heightened that bit of tension for me when you see the piles of money dwindling you think what is going to happen when the money runs out what's going to what's going to mm. happen
3: yeah the choices in the storyboard in how Uh, they didn't really need to say much. They just visually showed you like a bit of a gauge as to, oh, what's going to happen now? Like her piles of cash are dwindling, Mm -hmm. like what outrageous choices or decisions or circumstances she's going to find herself in now because she, she values money so highly. And with that gone, what does that mean for her? And I guess that's what this film chooses to try and help you understand Mm. her psyche. And like you said, No perception, real or imagined about money. It it was just lost on her. And I found that fascinating too.
2: We talked a little bit about the dialogue being off kilter and very verbose. But Mm. let's talk about the performances and this ensemble cast. The character of Frances, she just completely lives in a bubble of high society, doesn't she? And she has to leave (laughs) New York. She's very morose, but dark-humoured, which I got a kick out of.
3: Oh, me too. From my perspective, this is probably one of my favourite performances that Michelle Mm. Pfeiffer has ever delivered. And I think it is probably one of her career best in general, no matter how you look at this. God, she was incredible. Her physicality, her nonchalance attitude, (laughs) the delivery of sharp dialogue was sublime. I could not fault anything that she brought to the screen in this
2: film. And then that performance is offset by her son, Malcolm, played by Lucas mm. Hedges, who is just emotionally stunted.
3: I found that incredibly frustrating to endure. What, how about you?
2: Yeah, it was a little bit weird. Like, get your shit together, man. Come on.
3: Oh, I wanted to slap him. Uh, like, honestly, that was my knee-jerk reaction. He yeah. was a terrible communicator. You and I work in communication, right? That—that That is our <laughs> yeah. gig and what we do every day to cite results and outcomes with stakeholders. And I just... I couldn't understand how someone could be so devoid of the ability to clearly communicate. However, somehow him and his mother got each other. They were the only two people that seemed to understand each other and communicate.
2: Yeah, I think think you're correct there. And then you've got this Madame Renard who is just so desperately lonely. And the humour in her character comes from that absolute desperation to just want a friend.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I loved her introduction and I think in terms of her character development through the life of the film, was just beautiful. You never knew what she was going to say or how she was mm. going to react to people that came into the scenario and had the most fun realising this character and bringing it to life.
2: One thing I found really interesting when reading about this film was that the writer, Patrick DeWitt, said that Francis wandered into his brain fully formed and Somehow that is just so fitting. I can picture it. I can picture Frances Michelle Pfeiffer as Frances wandering into the writer's brain, just nonchalantly, really.
3: Well, how she just wanders into any situation, but has complete <laughs> and utter control and conviction in her actions and and the words she chooses to to like deliver to them. Mm. It was it's, uh, God, she's a deeply complex but incredibly. I don't know approachable character does that yep. make sense like you kind of got her but also were really confused by her at the yep. same time. she's so unrelatably relatable.
2: yeah, I think no I think you hit the nail on the head there and her complete disregard for everyone around her <laughs>
3: yes. and you and you
2: never really figure her out, do you and that's okay no, no that's okay. we're okay with that.
3: It is okay. We're complex beings us humans, and mm. yeah Francis is certainly uh Is certainly one of them.
2: And, of course, we've said already that Michelle Pfeiffer's performance in this role is just spectacular. And I think it's really impressive when actors can bring the right beats and emotion to make a tricky script flow. And this is a tricky script because it was so verbose.
3: I wonder if they had a lot of time to rehearse, Mm. like to find their feet but also the blocking with the other characters because a lot is reliant on – The return serve of a gesture and a look and the physicality and the choices that actors make. Mm. I'd be curious to get a little window into the um, pre-production period and the rehearsals to see whether it was something that they spent a lot of time on before the cameras rolled, because it felt incredibly organic and uh, realised in terms Mm. of the context of the characters and their situation. What do you think?
2: Yeah, maybe there's a bit of improvisation going on there too. I mean, Mm. But I think it would be interesting to read the book and see how this plays out when you're reading it and how it translates to screen because I imagine it must be very different.
3: I haven't read the book either, but I'm thinking is there a lot of internal monologues that are written in the pages that help you understand their thoughts because with Mm. the power of film – you understand a lot about a character by simply their physicality. And Mm. I think that's what made Michelle Pfeiffer's performance so utterly perfect.
2: Or like a withering look. And she was so good at those withering (sighs) looks.
3: Oh, yeah. I mean, the the dialogue was witty and sharp as it gets, but her looks were just, yeah, took it to a (laughs) whole other level. I agree.
2: Do you think we're ready to rate French Exit?
3: I cannot wait to wrap this up and deliver my rating. So, French Exit is an incredibly peculiar film that takes a bit of time to comprehend what you've just watched. It won't be a film for everyone, but it will be an absolute riot for those who love dark comedies and a macabre sentiment to a story. As discussed, the first two thirds of the film are utter perfection from performance, music, cinematography, all weaving in and around a devilish narrative that we both felt like it it goes to dark and absurd places that should not have jarred me so much. But it did. Mm. And I think it's a real shame it wasn't able to hold that momentum all the way through. But having said that, I think everything to do with Michelle's performance in the supporting cast has made me deliver a 3.5 Popcorn Kernel rating.
2: Fantastic. Yeah, I'm pretty close to your assessment there, Tim, I think. French exit might not always make sense, but Michelle Pfeiffer commands the screen as this eccentric socialite with sharp edges who keeps you guessing and makes you laugh with her witty, devastating barbs. It's a black comedy that goes in some strange directions and it just depends if you're willing to go along for the ride. I'm giving mm. French Exit three popcorn kernels.
3: French Exit is in selected cinemas now, so check your local listings for screenings near you.
2: Before we jump into the news, Tim, we are kicking off a massive month of ticket giveaways to celebrate Popcorn Podcast's two-year anniversary in April.
3: Sorry, Lee, what did you just say? Oh! Ah! Two years, my goodness me. Well, we'll be giving away a whole heap of movie tickets to see a bunch of exciting movies that are all releasing in the month of April. First up, we have five double passes from Sharmil Films to see The Father, which is in Australian cinemas from April 1st.
2: The Father stars Academy Award winner Anthony Hopkins as a cheeky and highly independent man who refuses assistance from his daughter, played by fellow Academy Award winner Olivia Colman. As he tries to make sense of his changing circumstances, Anthony begins to doubt his loved ones and even his own mind. Now, we have seen this film, Tim, and we rave about it, don't we?
3: Rave all about it. It is just utter perfection. We cannot wait to bring our review of The Father to You very soon. And these are tickets that you will want to win because you have to see this movie, 100%.
2: So, head on over to our social pages and comment on the giveaway post letting us know which Anthony Hopkins movie is your favourite.
3: Oh, there's so many to choose from. I Mm -hmm. don't even know if I could narrow it down to just one.
2: What is his best performance?
3: Oh, look, I think whether or not this is a cop-out, but I really do think Hannibal Lecter's Silence of mm. the Lambs is right up there. But honestly, his performance in The Father could could trump that, to be honest. It is uh, extraordinary.
2: I think it takes the cake for me. I'd love to hear what everyone else thinks, so make sure you get your entries in.
3: All right, so Disney has announced that Avatar has finally reclaimed the record as the highest-grossing film of all time Again, from Avengers Endgame. This is due to a recent re-release of Avatar in China.
2: Producer John Landau says, we are proud to reach this great milestone, but Jim, and that's James Cameron, and I are most thrilled that the film is back in theatres during these unprecedented times. That's incredible, isn't it?
3: I just couldn't see this coming. Like, Avatar came out in 2009. It overtook <laughs> Titanic. ...as the highest grossing film of all time... uh, ...which was also a James Cameron film... ...and then it took until 2019 for Endgame... ...to bump it off its mantle... ...and then it's like... ...hold my drink... ...Avatar comes back... ...you know... ...like 18 months... two years later... ...and and takes the crown again... ...like... ...this makes me feel positive... ...about the interest in the Avatar Mm. franchise... ...China is the biggest market in the world... yeah, ...and that it's making this money... ...and giving it back that mantle... It's kind of all right. Does this mean that Avatar 2 and the 1,500 subsequent sequels that will follow will be uh, as successful? So it's it's really interesting piece of news.
2: On a separate note, it always blows my mind that you can pull the release date of films out of your head without any notes. I have to say to our listeners, he doesn't have any notes. He just does this. It just comes <laughs> off the top of his head and it's always correct. It baffles me, but I love it.
3: I mean, I, I, if only I could remember what I was doing tomorrow or what I did yesterday, as clearly <laughs> as I remember these sorts of pieces of movie trivia, I think my life would just be so much easier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Now, this week we were treated to new images and a TV spot at the Grammys for Cruella. It's looking like a fabulous episode of RuPaul's Drag Race, isn't it? I can't get enough of the looks in these images.
3: I'm so here for this. And the one-minute TV spot was just so fun it just yep. gave you a little bit more insight into emma thompson's character gave you a little bit more insight into emma stone who plays cruella Deville. it mm. just offered a lot more color and tone to the film and the music's amazing yes it's a rupaul's drag race episode on fucking crack <laughs> i just cannot <laughs> wait for this movie to drop
2: yeah i actually liked the teaser better than the first trailer to be honest
3: yeah good shout i i agree with you it's much tighter Uh, trailer Mm. for sure.
2: And we also got a new trailer for In the Heights directed by John M Chu which is based on Lin-Manuel Miranda's stage musical. This was fun, colourful, energetic. I can't wait for this film.
3: It's been said a lot about uh, films that have come out in the last 12 months and what's going on in the world but I really think that In the Heights is the movie that we need right now. Uh, It is Mm. everything... And more, its yeah, colourful and loud and fun. And I think it's going to be a fantastic story and ride uh, to catch in cinemas very
2: soon. For sure, Tim, for sure. And I think that might wrap it up for another episode of Popcorn Podcast. What do you think? We've got to go watch uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League.
3: Oh, my God, all four hours of it prepare my body soul and mental capacity (laughs) we've got this lee we can do it
2: yeah can't wait and we can't wait to bring you the rundown of that very soon
3: very very soon watch this space guys as always thank you for listening
2: we'll catch you next time come and join us in the conversation on facebook like our page at popcornpodcastau AU. And follow us on Instagram at Podcast. We'd love to hear what you think about these movies.
3: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods,